You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking Rates and Lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Rico Mohammed, coming to you live. This is the Rachel Lanes Podcast. I want to thank you guys for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us and support the show tonight. And uh, tonight we're going to have our resident mentor going to be joining us a little bit later on, Mr. Chuck Snow from Traffics. Chuck wants to um, talk to us about some opportunities that may be around the corner with the upcoming ELD mandate. I know that everybody's been hearing all kind of bad stuff about the ELDs and all the, the woe is me talk that's been going on about the LDs, but Chuck actually thinks that there may be a silver lining to that cloud. So we're looking forward to hearing from Chuck and, and, and the information that he may have to share with us and expound upon the opportunities that may lie in waiting with the ELD uh, upcoming mandate. But before we jump into that, we're going to start off the show in our normal format. We're going to jump right over into this week's USDA report, Fruit and Vegetable Report. We have uh, quite a bit of movement once again on this week's report. We have one market that is showing a shortage of trucks. And this market, this is going to be, um, these reports, to watch them carefully. And, uh, and and maybe um, you have a chance to go back and click on the link and go back and look at this report more in depth than what we actually get a chance to cover here because there's a market that is showing a shortage right now, but there's mixed reviews been coming in about this particular market, and that market is Central and South Florida. Central and South Florida is showing a um, shortage of trucks at this present time, according to the USDA. Now, I've been getting mixed reviews from different people uh, saying that well, the, the produce and melon are not really moving at the volume that they were anticipating them moving yet, and they're not seeing a whole lot of of, of movement real worldwide. Um, so this is the report from the USDA. So you might want to go in and click on the report and check exactly what areas are they considering Central and South Florida before you go jumping up and saying, "Well, let me get down, let me position my truck to get into that area." Other areas that are showing slight shortages in Central San Joaquin Valley, California, Kern District, California, Oxnard District, California, Salinas-Watsonville, California, Santa Maria, California, South Florida is showing a slight surplus, and Valdelia District, Georgia, which is kind of South Georgia, showing a slight shortage of trucks. Areas that you might want to proceed with caution with, showing slight surplus of trucks, <laughs> and here comes the conundrum. Florida. There's some markets in Florida are showing a slight surplus of trucks. And we just read to you that Central Florida and South Florida are both showing shortages of trucks. So there's the kind of the conundrum that we find ourselves in with this report. 
that's why I say make sure you click on the link. I'm going to post the link to this report. Go in there and look at it more in depth to find out exactly where those areas that they are claiming that those shortages are and just take that under advisement before you jump up and go position yourself in those areas. Columbia Basin, Washington is showing a slight shortage, uh, excuse me, a slight surplus of trucks. Yakima Valley, Winchie District, Washington, showing a slight surplus of trucks. Central Wisconsin is coming in showing a slight surplus of trucks. And areas that are showing outright surpluses of trucks, San Luis Valley, Colorado, and Minnesota, North Dakota, Red River Valley, they are showing an outright surplus of trucks. So those are some areas that you may want to avoid. And jumping over from the USDA report into this week's USDA, I mean, excuse me, this week's DAT trend line report for the week of April 16th through the 22nd. National averages for vans, reefers, and flatbeds continue to hold steady while prices in many major freight markets continue to continue their slow and steady springtime climb. Demand for flatbeds was especially high last week as the load-to-truck ratio hit 47.8 loads per truck for every load, for every truck that was posted. Let's jump in and take a look at the U.S. Fan Demand and Capacity Report for the week of April 16th through the 22nd. Demand for fans increased last week after dipping during Easter week. Nationally, low posts increased by 10%, while truck postings declined by 1%. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to increase 11% up from 3.2 loads per truck up to 3.6 loads per truck. The national average van rate was unchanged compared to the previous week. Van load postings increased 47% in March compared to February. Truck posts rose 13% during that same time span, which led to a 30% increase in the national load-to-truck ratio at 3.2 loads per truck. The ratio was up 98% from where it was in March of 2016. Right now, the national load-to-truck ratio is sitting at 3.6 loads per truck for dry van. The uh, national fuel price remains unchanged over the previous week, showing a national average of $2.60 per gallon. And no, we don't want to make a U-turn. Let me turn that off. Still had the GPS running. Okay. We got that squared. (laughs) Let's jump over into the rate segment of the U.S. Band Report for the week of April the 16th through the 22nd. See how these rates were performing. Spot market band rates held steady at $1.68 per mile. Band rates increased in Philadelphia and Dallas and Stockton, California, but dipped in Charlotte. Like I said, the national uh, average price for diesel was unchanged at $2.60 per mile, I mean $2.60 per gallon. 
the national average band rate increased by one cent in March compared to February at one dollar and sixty three cents per mile. The national van the national average van rate was eleven cents higher in March of twenty sixteen. So let's take a look around the country by region, starting off in the northeastern corridor, Philadelphia being the representative city, showing average spot market rates for dry vans at $1.73 per mile. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, Atlanta, Georgia checking in, showing average spot market rates for dry vans at $1.94 per mile. Moving up into the Midwest, Chicago, Illinois checking in, showing average spot market rates for dry vans at $1.93 per mile. Dropping down into the south-central portion of the United States, Dallas, Texas, checking in, showing average spot market rates at $1.64 per mile. Coming out of the west coast, Los Angeles, California, checking in, setting the high watermark for dry vans, the rate showing $1.95 per mile, coming out of Los Angeles. Moving on, jumping over into the flatbed segment of the DAT Trend Lines Report for the week of April 16th through the 22nd. Last week, the flatbed load-to-truck ratio increased by 20% to 47.8 loads per truck. That's the highest weekly flatbed load-to-truck ratio in years. Flatbed load postings increased by 14%, while truck posts declined by 5%. Despite the national average, flatbed rate was unchanged compared to the previous week. That tells me that somebody's not doing their homework in the flatbed segment. You've got that much demand, pent-up demand, you have to make the price move. You have to make the price move. There's opportunities lying right there. Uh, compared to February, flatbed load postings rose 45% in March, while truck postings increased by 6%. That pushed the load-to-truck ratio up 38% from 26.6 to 36.6 loads per truck nationally compared to the March of 2016. The ratio has soared by 109%. Let's jump over and see how the rates were performing across the country for flatbeds. Last week's spot market flatbed rates were unchanged compared to the previous week, holding steady at $2.07 per mile. Looking around the country, beginning in the northeastern portion of the United States, spot market flatbed rates coming out of Harrisburg, PA, show $3.29 per mile. Dropping down into the southeastern portion of the United States, Atlanta, Georgia, checking in, showing average spot market rates for flatbeds at $2.42 per mile. Coming out of Rock Island, Illinois, spot market rates for flatbeds at $2.72 per mile. Moving down into the south central portion of the United States, Houston, Texas, checking in, showing average spot market rates for flatbeds at $2.20 per mile. Moving out to the West Coast, Phoenix, Arizona is the representative city, showing average spot market rates for flatbeds at $1.77 per mile. Flatbed rates increased by $0.07 in March compared to February, 
the national average of $2.03 per mile, 17 cents higher than it was in March of 2016. Let's jump over and switch up, taking a look at the U.S. reefer demand and capacity report. For the previous week, last week, reefer load postings held steady while truck postings declined by 2%. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to increase 2%, up to 6.7 loads per truck nationally. The national average spot market rate for reefers was unchanged compared to the previous week. Reefer load postings increased by 39% in March compared to February. Truck posts rose 14%, which caused the load-to-truck ratio to increase by 31% from 48 from excuse me from 4.8 loads per truck to 6.2 loads per truck nationally compared to March of 2016 the load to truck ratio was up by 99% so let's jump over and take a look and see how US reefer rates were performing over the previous week the national average reefer rate held steady at $1.94 per mile reefer rates Show gains, however, in several regional markets, including Sacramento, Green Bay, and Miami. Those rates held steady. Moving on, spot market reefer rates increased by one cent in March compared to February at $1.87 per mile. The March average was nine cents higher than a year ago. Taking a look around the country by region, Starting out in the northeastern portion of the United States, we have Elizabeth, New Jersey, checking in, showing average spot market rate at $1.65 per mile. Dropping down to the southeastern portion of the United States, Lakeland, Florida, checking in, showing average spot market rate of $1.59 per mile. Moving up into the Midwest, Green Bay, Wisconsin, checking in, setting the benchmark at $2.61 per mile on the spot market for reefers. Moving down into the south-central portion of the United States, McAllen, Texas, coming out strong, strong $1.98 per mile on average. And moving out west to the west coast, Fresno, California, checking in, showing average spot market rates for reefers at $2.09 per mile. And that pretty much will wrap up this week's DAT trend lines report. That will bring us to this week's bad broker report. And from this time last week, we've had a quite a we've had a few new entries come into the um, on the bad broker report. Omni Specialized LLC, MC number is nine five seven six four one. It is reported that they have over $42,000 in non-payment complaints. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher the name of this one, but we're going to give it a shot anyway. Uh, Kanansi Brothers Lumber Company, or Kanansi Sisters Trucking. The MC number is 550-813. FMCSA shows trust fund scheduled for cancellation on 5-11-17. They have over $15,000 in non-payment complaints. JNC Transportation Corp. MC number is 
582 FMCSA shows trust fund canceled. Over $18,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Lodestar Systems, Inc., MC number is 858-626. Trust fund is canceled. Over $33,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. On Logistics, Inc., over $3,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. And that was the last entry to this week's bad broker report. So that being said, ladies and gentlemen, um, of course, we're looking for Mr. Chuck Snow to join us. So, Chuck, if you're on the line, go ahead and press number one so we can get you up and on board so we can see you. think that might be our man of the hour right there. Let's go and grab him real quickly. Hello, Chuck. Rico. How are you doing? We're well. How are you doing? I'm doing great as well. Uh, We've had uh, quite a few things have transpired since the last time that we talked. I understand tonight that you want to... Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Tonight, I, when we uh, corresponded a little early, you said that you wanted to us to focus on, and I, I said this is going to be an interesting topic. This is going to this ought to have some, a couple people salivating because all we've been hearing is "woe is me" talk when it comes to ELD. But tonight, we want to focus on the upcoming opportunities that may be coming with ELDs. Tell us more about that. Well, I think, first of all, ELDs are coming. I don't care what happens. I, I really don't think that we're going to be able to stop this train from leaving the station. I don't think the Trump administration or OIDA or anybody is going to stop this. I just think that there's been a lot of pressure from especially some of the larger carriers who've already adapted to this technology. Uh, I don't think it's a secret about the lobbying activities in uh, in Washington, D.C., and this thing is going through. So if it is going through, which I really believe it is, how are we going to make money with it? There's a, a great expression, and, and that is uh, success happens when opportunity and preparation collide. Absolutely. And... And I think that rather than all of us sitting at the truck stops, pardon my language, but bitching to each other about how we're going with ELDs, I think the smart guys, the smart girls out there, are figuring how they're going to make money with it. Because at the end of the day, starting December 2017, we're all going to have them, except maybe a handful of people that will be exempt for one reason or another. I heard in Louisville that for those part-timers that work eight days a month or under, they can still use paper logs. And I heard that at the uh, one of the uh, lectures that I attended. Um, but most people that are listening to this show certainly work more than eight hours or eight days in a month. Um, and, of course, the other exemption, I believe, is if uh, your truck is of a certain vintage, but those trucks are getting too old to go up and down the highway. So being realistic with the equipment that we are all using and with the ELDs, how are we going to make money? 
And I really do think that there are going to be opportunities, especially for the little guys. Um, I think there's going to be lots of challenges, but if we can take those challenges and make money out of them, I think that everybody's going to do well. And one of them, you know, one of the issues that I think is going to happen with this new technology, and I know that the big guys are already addressing this, and there must be room for the little guys at the table. You've got these large companies that have loads on, and their drivers run out of hours. And I don't know how many of our listeners realize this, but some of the big guys do have rescue squads, basically. And they send out a uh, they send out another driver that's got a fresh log or has hours on his log, and he delivers the the load to final destination. I can't see why there wouldn't be services out there provided by our listeners who have a lot of flexibility that can provide that to larger carriers and even to some of the smaller ones, because we all know you get into situations where you run out of hours. And you've got a hot load on. You know, it's for an auto assembly plant. It's a load of produce for the market, whatever it is. And you can't go anymore. Or you're about to get, you know that if you drive over that scale, you're going to get shut down. So there is opportunity, I think, from our listening audience to go out there and solicit that work. That's some of the stuff that can be done. And I think there's going to be an awful lot of interest from smart people in doing shorter hauls. I think when you're doing uh, a, a lot of long hauls, I think you put yourself out there with this new technology. I think one of the biggest problems, if you're going to be doing these long hauls, again, in unfamiliar territory, is how much time you're going to lose, number one, at shippers, when you're at unpredictable shippers or unpredictable receivers, or also the biggest worry is when you get out on the road, how much time you're going to lose looking for parking. You know, your clock is almost up, and there's no room in in any of the truck stops. And that's becoming a uh, not just a uh, an American problem. It's starting to be a problem up here in Canada as well. Uh, there's been a couple of truck stops that have started to charge for parking. And I know it ticks us all off. But if we're just using these truck stops as a place to park our trucks and we're not buying their breakfast or we're not buying their fuel, how are they supposed to stay in business? And, you know, that's been a problem. And I realize that an awful lot of those truck stops, although they may have some amenities, the food is awful. And I know that most of our drivers, unfortunately, would rather eat out of their lunchbox or out of their cooler box than the junk they serve you in the truck stops. And it's expensive. And what I will say on behalf of Canadian drivers, when we go into the U.S. and we have to pay 35% more for that sandwich. So if you're eating a couple of meals a day on the road, it gets really expensive. Because we're getting paid Canadian funds. So there's all sorts of opportunities out there on the the shorter holes. Uh, there's opportunities working with, you know, I would uh, solicit my services to both large and medium-sized carriers. There's a capacity crunch. You know, there's nothing wrong with working power only. You don't have the expense of a trailer. And 
something that I want to share. You definitely don't want to be their first call. You want to be their last call. So, you know, you can get that extra money. And if you put it out there that you have a service available that will deliver these people's trailers and bring it back or whatever they want, uh, maybe it's a 150 or 200-mile trip, you'll get paid an awful lot more per mile. And I think that's where those are the type of, you know, different things that our readers, our, our listeners really need to focus on if they're going to succeed in this, you know, in this immediate future. There's going to be a lot of kerfuffle for the first six to 12 months because nobody knows what the heck they're doing with these ELDs. I shouldn't say nobody because there, there are an awful lot of carriers that have been running them exclusively for years. And if you actually, if you do things right, they work out pretty good for you, as you agree. But I think the biggest uh, problem is is the fear I'm sorry, go, go that people ahead. have. What's that, Rico? No, I, I was I, I thought you was asking me that I agree, and I was, I was getting ready to interject and say, yeah, so far so good. As far as uh, you know, I've been running them for about um, about a year and a half now. Um, uh, a true ELD running for about for about a year and a half, um, and it, it does um, it has caused me a little concern here and there, but for the most part. Um, it's been pretty good. I've just been having to be a little bit more creative. I've been doing a lot more of the eight-hour uh, sleeper berth split-breaking type deal when I've got tighter uh, schedules and things of that nature. But at least that I, I had a peace of mind and the comfort of knowing that um, whenever I do get inspected or whatever, that my log is not going to be an issue. And as a matter of fact, it, it's been, it's been um, since I've had them, and every time I've had an inspection, they really do not scrutinize my logs whatsoever. Uh, when it comes down, you know, come down to looking at the log book, they really do not even uh, care too much about trying to dig too deep into the hours of service portion of it. But that'll change once we're all on the same. But what they're really looking for now is the the driver that drives over the plate and he's got paper logs. They're going right. to be checking him, you know, from now until December. Uh, mark my words. If you're running paper logs, they're going to be checking to make sure, number one, you're accurate. And they're also checking for form and manner to make sure everything is filled out properly. And I think an awful lot of us are uh, are guilty of losing some points here and there because a driver messed up on point, you know, on form and manner, which is really preventable. But you wouldn't have that with ELDs. My biggest complaint with uh, ELDs really is time wasted at shippers and receivers. Right. You know, you, you start Absolutely. your day with them and you start your day. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing, getting held up, at, especially with what it is that I do with, with the uh, temperature control. You know, some of these uh, uh, storage warehouses, these cold storage facilities, um, it's ridiculous how, how much time that you will spend in some of these facilities. And even some of the... Uh, some of the plants, you know, uh, especially, you know, notoriously chicken plants, uh, you know, and, and some of the, uh, the meat packing facilities, you you could you could be spending, um, you know, if you ain't careful, it's nothing to spend eight, nine hours just to get loaded and you're sitting there with 
know, an hour or two left on your clock if you're not careful. Yeah. And we have that in, of course, you know, once the produce season starts, you know, anywhere, uh, and the hot produce goes into a packing shed to be cooled off, and, you know, you can wait there for, you know, you can easily go 10, 12 hours waiting for your freight to cool off. And that comes right out of your logbook or right off your off your hours. So that's why you got to be careful. But there's, you know, I think once everybody's on the same playing field, I think things will be a little bit different. I, I hope that there's enough of a enough pain for the shippers and receivers where they start acting differently towards the the trucks and the drivers, and they have a little bit more respect for our time. Now I realize. With some commodities, they they just can't because the freight's got to get ready. It's got to cool off. Um, You know, they have to get it all ready before they can load it. But maybe they need to change how they do things. Because what will happen is the the loads that get loaded easiest will get picked off first, obviously. We got a couple of people that's got their hands held up high want to get on board with us. Let's go and grab a few of them. I don't have um looking for my call screening, but I'm not sure where my daughter is on me tonight, but we'll find out. Uh, caller calling in from 770 area code. You are up first. You're up live with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hello, caller. Okay, we'll put the caller back on hold. Maybe we'll get grab them. Uh, so listen out for your area code, ladies and gentlemen, because I not have my screen on, on board with me right now. So we're going to jump to the caller calling in from area code 204. 204, what's your name, and how can we help you up live with Rico and Chuck? Uh, it's uh, Sean, and I'm in Michigan at this time under a logo in Montreal. Uh, it's good to talk to you, Chuck. I have found a niche. Oh, congratulations. Winnipeg, and I don't have to worry about the competition on this one. I can tell anybody at any time. Winnipeg down to the south, uh, Midwest, Chicago, grab a load going to Montreal. Nobody wants to go to Montreal because they don't speak French. And New York is great because I speak English. I can pick up a load there because the French don't want to go down to New York. And then I get to Montreal, and, and it's just Man, I can do this all the time. And when I hit that border, I change the Canadian rules. Now I can go from Montreal all the way to Winnipeg. It gives me 14,000 miles a month on e-log legally. Wow. Because wow, I that's excellent. My, I go from Winnipeg, Chicago, and and I'll tell you, the shipper that I had today, uh, they said, they, I, I kind of flinched about something. Is everything Okay. They they really really treated me well. They're just really really good, and uh, uh, and the load goes to Montreal. I have to phone the office tomorrow at nine o'clock, give them my load number, and tell them everything's fine, and uh, and take care of the customer. And the customer for me is the broker on this load. Wow, that's fantastic. Well done, man. And it's so, uh, you know that's sort of out of the box thinking. That gets guys ahead. You know, you're probably doing more miles than anybody, any other single out there. Well, it's because I'm allowed to run the Canadian rules. Now I take my right. 34 hours off in Canada, so I clean up the logbook, 
do it all over again the next week. Now, the the company that I'm working for right now is called Traffics. I don't know if you know it, but that's the load I'm under right now. And you guys okay. have the loads. Yeah, you, you guys have the loads I need. Uh, it's well, already that's great. Under. Yeah, oh, you, so. you just made my day. <laughs> well, thanks very much, and I'll be phoning the office in the morning. Okay, thanks for calling, Sean. Take care. Okay, okay Chuck. Bye now. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't expecting that one up. No, not at all. <laughs> See, there's okay, somebody that's figured go. it out. <laughs> let's go and grab another caller. Caller from the 315 area code. Caller, you up live with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hey guys, my name is Alan. I have found that niche that that gentleman was just talking about. Only mine's from Rochester, New York, to Baltimore, Maryland. Whatever reason, Good nobody wants to run it. I'm averaging well 75 a mile with a van. And that's from Rochester? New York to Baltimore, Maryland. And how are you making out in Baltimore getting loads back? Not, no problems at all. Like I said, I'm averaging yeah. 275 every mile. Wow. Wow. With a van. I commend you for that. that that's, that's, that's getting it done, son. Yeah. Uh, and you don't have a I lot got, of tools. You're running down 15, right, Alan? Yeah, 15. I cut I cut out all my tools. But the funny Tell me something. thing is that... Go ahead. You're going down to Baltimore via 15, right? Through through Harrisburg, do they still have that one section there where you have to do a a bypass? Yes. Around Williamsport, is that still there, or somewhere south of Williamsport? One eighty, you take the one eighty around and hit one forty seven. They're actually putting it in a true bypass to go around all of that down through there. Ceilings Grove, Shemokin Dam. That'll be all. Yeah, I read something about that. A few years. No. Yeah, it's going to be unbelievable. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, uh, wow, that that is great to hear, man. You've done that well. I've got my authority in January, and uh, I can't keep up with the freight. Wow. <laughs> well done. That's good. That's good to hear. That's, we we, we, love, we you know, love hearing success stories. You know, people, people get afraid to make phone calls. I don't like your freight rate. I just... Okay, have a nice day. We'll go find somebody else that'll pay. <laughs> right, right. But, oh, but it's, the other thing is, it, if you're, you're operating in that lane, that, that gives you an opportunity, too, to, to kind of uh, really narrow down to the people that are shipping in those lanes that, that you might be able to develop, you know, to go ahead and develop your direct customer base. I've got a broker out of Wisconsin who has called me now. Four, four loads. I pulled one for him. Got, did such a good job for him. He, he just called me ahead of time. This is what I got. This is when it's going to be available. You got to be down there. Absolutely. It's over three dollars a mile freight. Whoa! So that's is phenomenal. Your, is that on your front end or your on your back end? Is that on the? Uh, that's on your. That, your that's your on, that's on my back. That's on my back end. That's on my back end coming to, coming back up. Okay, so that so that that narrows it down even more well, even more so for you where you 
if, if that's going to if, say if that's your customer, you service the hell out of him as your broker. I mean, that's your customer at the end of the day. But now you, it gives you an opportunity to either develop a, a really good relationship with a shipper on the other end or uh, develop a relationship with a really good broker on the other end so that you are, uh, if they've already got, got that steady freight that, you know, you don't even have to even have a, a low board subscription if you can if you can really work that thing out really good. You know, I know a lot of people don't like LTL. I love it. I'll take an LTL load all day long. Oh, I agree. You know, if people I, ask me how I average at rate, it's LTL free. That's you know what? That's where um, you've got the you've got the secret sauce, and I've been saying it for ages. And you only have to put uh, for our, some of our listeners out there when Alan's talking about. LTL. He's not talking about one skid. I'm sure he's talking about putting um, three shipments together. Am I correct? Yes. You know, yeah. a perfect example is this week. A little bit off week. I'll have about 1,800 miles in, and uh, the gross on it's $4,600. Woo. Now, how are you making out with your deliveries and your pickups? You're doing them all yourself. Do them all myself. I have no issues at all. Now, I've have you had room, problems? I've got a, get, I've got what about getting delayed? I pick up, pick up LTL free. I, I've hit, a couple times. I've hit situations like yesterday. I had a. I was trying to get my third stop off. I hit the second stop. Had a delay there. Made a simple phone call. No issues. They understand. The broker works with me. Customers have been fantastic. I've got a broker at home, 35 miles away. I go in, I drop the trailer, they preload it, I pick it up Sunday, I roll out of there with LTL load for Golden. Oh, that's great. So now, uh, so they're giving you the LTL freight. Uh, are you ever going to three different brokers and getting three different shipments? I've done that before when I was leased on to uh, uh, the previous company that I was with. I haven't had to do that at all. Well, because that's when I, you can really get that revenue. Uh, oh, you know, I, you can I, get I, it I sky pulled high. A load out of Chicago. I pulled a load out of Chicago back to to New York, and uh, I had six different brokers on there and the load paid a little over $5,000. Wow. That's phenomenal. That's, you know what, that's I, trucking. That, that, that was a week before Christmas. Everything was, was uh, a partial load that was paying full load rate. And I just stacked the truck. Well, that's fun. Oh, that's it. how you make Mama, money. You know Mama what? I loved it more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it came at a good time. And, you know, for our listeners out there, um, listen to what this man is saying. And, and what he's saying is, is he's got the secret sauce. This is how you're going to be able to not just survive, but you're going to be able to prosper. You know, all of these things that are happening to us in in the world, not just the world of trucking, but in general, uh, the, this new disruptive technology, and everything is disruptive, but you just have to figure out how to make it work for you. And obviously you have, and I've been preaching this for ages, 
Um, you know, we've been playing around here with LTL Freight for years, and it's, I'll be honest, it's tough to make money on truckload. You can do it, but it's tough. It's a hell of a lot easier to make it on partials. Now, I'm not talking about, again, I want to reiterate, it's not those one skid, um, those one skid wonders, because by the time you pick it up and you deliver it, it really costs the same to pick up one skid as it does 24 skids. So you may as well pick up a larger shipment. But if you if you can make, uh, if you get five quarters, usually makes a full load. Because you can always, if you know what you're doing and you've got some bars and maybe some plywood, you can double stack a couple, nice and safe, with some straps and some plywood, and uh, it'll be good, and you'll make money. Absolutely. I'm, I'm actually looking at buying a, a step deck just because I'm tired of, having to deal with grocery warehouses with this LTL stuff, but... Don't. Do not buy the step deck. <laughs> I can tell you a couple things about them, and I haven't. I've only run one um, a step deck van years ago, and I had a... Uh, what happened was a company uh, leased it. I was doing work for a, uh, a moving company, and this is about, oh my God, it's got to be close to 30 years ago. And they had this big corporate job, and all they wanted me to do was pick up the trailer at the residence, uh, actually drop the trailer at the residence, pick it up two days later, uh, take it to somewhere in Vancouver, uh, drop it there, actually drop it at the moving company, not even, and a moving company in Vancouver delivered it and unloaded it. So you couldn't ask for a sweeter deal. And they said, listen, uh, if you can't get a load back, we will pay you. Uh, to come back empty and we tried everything and the problem is they're really really hard unless you have a dedicated shipper that can use that sort of equipment they are very hard to load people don't want to load them um now i know for a yeah, while the automotive the exact opposite i've got a couple of friends that have got step decks and um they're way over three dollars a mile and they're they're begging me to get the step deck to come work with them well, hold on. Do they have dedicated accounts where they can use these? They have one dedicated account, and, and the rest is pulling, uh, like, small tractors, the compact tractors and stuff like that. Okay. Or loading, or loading cars on. Yeah. Um, you know, if you can do that, it, it certainly I have had some experience in that business. And yeah. it, hauling cars, whether it's in an enclosed or an open, uh, doesn't matter. It takes a certain person to do it you've got to have uh, a real keen eye for detail uh number one you've got to check make sure that the survey is right that the car is not it doesn't have any scratches or dents uh number two you've got to be very careful loading them because if you load the car wrong and you strap it uh, incorrectly you can do a lot of damage trust me but yeah if oh, you've absolutely. got ins yeah alan if you've got ins like that that's that's fine go ahead and do it but for the average joe that doesn't have those ins, and he's listening to this, and he goes out and uh, buys a, a step deck. Even if he's got one-way freight, it's really hard to load them the other way unless you know what you're doing. And, you know, if you have ramps or you have a way of loading up that step deck with cars uh, or tractors or something, you're fine. But, you, again, you have to know what you're doing. And it's not for a guy or a girl that has just had all their experience hauling palletized freight and they're not able to do that. You've got to be physically able to get under that car and strap it in. You know, if if you're 500 pounds, you're not doing that. 
<laughs> no, absolutely not. You know, in the same way, you got to be able to throw straps or chains. You know, you you physically have to be able to handle the job. Oh yeah, uh, you know, there's a there's a physical element to that. But, you know, those are the things that I'm talking about. You know, if you have customers that can use that equipment, by all means, you, you know, you've got, a, you've got a niche within a niche. Uh, you know, go for it. But if you're trying to live off load boards and deal with brokers, it's really hard, um, you know, unless, you, unless you're going to haul cars. And, and there seems to be an awful lot of cars moving all over the place. People buy and sell yeah. them, and there's dealers. I've actually, and, I've actually got, a, I've got a nephew that's doing it with a uh, – the one ton he's on three yep. cars and and he's been averaging right around about 225 to 250 a mile with a one ton yep yeah i see loaded both ways yes that that's moved that's he's he's got um he's developed uh a customer base with dealerships that haul out of uh like pittsburgh the auction New right. Jersey, um, Waverly, New York. He, they call him. This is what I got. Pick it up. There, and he's he's locked right in. That's great. You know, I noticed that. Door. Yeah, in the town where our business is in Milton, Ontario, we've got a Mannheim auction, and I guess they have a huge uh, crunch in there to get to get vehicles in and out of there because I see all sorts of different configurations of trailers, everything from those stingers that haul 13 cars uh, to some enclosed, to, you know, to the one-ton Dodge Dually that's got three cars on the back. You see everything. And there's a lot of cars moving around. It is what you said. you got to know your market, and you got to be – I think the biggest thing is, is to hustle. And like Rico has been telling everybody, don't – just accept what they offer. Yeah, he's right. You got to negotiate. You got to negotiate. You know, yeah. If, if that if that spot if that spot rate is two seventy five a mile and they're offering you less than two dollars a mile, don't even bother with it. There's another call to make. Yeah, you know, and we're all going to get into areas where there's a ton of trucks and there's no freight. And when that happens, you, you know, you got to swallow your pride and you got to take that cheaper load. However. If you keep it really simple and you do what, you know, what you've been doing and you run between point A and point B and point B and point A, that doesn't happen. Because, number one, most of that freight you're going to haul is, is never going to hit a board. People are just going to give it to you because they know you're, you're working that lane and you're dependable. Uh, and that's what's been happening as I, as I build a, a rep. A relationship with these brokers I get the emails over the weekend and I start planning out my week yeah that's a wonderful thing to be able to do so you're getting what two or three trips a week um it all depends on like this week here I'll just have two trips in but like I said I got 1800 miles and 4600 for a gross you know and <clears throat> last week I had three trips in and I was just over six for a gross Oh, you're probably better off not to do the third trip. You know, I, I'm just like I said, I'm I'm getting tired of grocery warehouses. Yeah, if I, know, I could can... stay away, if I could, if I could stay away from them, I'm, I, I would <laughs> I would never even think about doing anything else. 
But uh, well, unfortunately, there's a couple of them. I won't name names because I, I won't disparage your companies. But <laughs> they are some of the most arrogant individuals. They think that you owe them something when you show up. I just I know we deliver to the same place as you do, and we go through it as well. And it's just it's, and you know I gotta say something. Um, when when the crunch comes and all of a sudden there's more guys and girls out there that say I'm not going to that place. Don't send me there. These guys are going to feel it because I don't like the fact that. With some of the, and they're not all. You know what? There's some good grocery warehouses out there that we deliver to that are class acts. They treat the drivers with respect. Um, there's a smile. There's a good company culture, and there's some out there that are just animals. They're disgusting animals. And I'm obviously not going to mention any names either. But you know, you have good and bad in every industry. And I think that what's going to happen is these guys that are making it very difficult for for drivers to deliver at their locations, they're not going to get the service. And they'll feel it, and they're going to have to just change their attitude towards drivers. Right, right. So we're getting close, getting close. We've got about 10 minutes left in the show. We've got one topic that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, uh, excuse me, I want to thank the caller for the call. But um, we're in the middle of last night. Kenny show came on, and he was talking about he went down to the uh, NASDAQ conference down in um, right in his backyard down in Orlando a couple of weeks back. And um, just thought it would be really good to kind of talk about. I know a lot of the trade shows are are, are going on kind of in the trade show season a little bit. Uh, just could you maybe hand out some tips and pointers to everybody listening in that may get an opportunity to go to. Uh, some of the industry's trade shows. What are, what are some of the things, you know, other than the basics, of course, you know, make sure you got your business cards and stuff like that. But what what are some tactics or some some strategies that we could use when going to some of these trade shows with some of these, uh, you know, with some of these industry people? What are some things that we can do to kind of make some connections and, and get and maybe uh, have an opportunity to pick up an account or two? Well, I think the most important thing is always keep in mind you have one shot at a first impression. So if you're going to these trade shows, don't go looking like you're going to a picnic. You know, cut off jeans. I see this all the time. Go like you're dressed to do business. That's number one. And go there, meet the people. You know, I know a lot of people in our industry, they'll go to these shows and and they'll want to meet the, the brokers especially. And, and now, even with the capacity crunch, you know, an awful lot of the carriers, you know, uh, Warner, Schneider, Hunt, um, you know, CR England, all the rest of them, all of those people have brokerage divisions. And it's a great opportunity to meet all sorts of people in the industry. So you want to, you know, you don't want to look like you're driving the truck that day. You want to look like the executive. Go and buy yourself a pair of slacks and a jacket. Have your business cards. Have something you can write with. You know, have a pad, a uh, professional-looking portfolio. Uh, hand them a business card and ask ask good questions. You know, people always want to talk about their business and about themselves. Ask a better question, as my wife always says. So when you meet them, ask some questions about their business. What do they need? What are their 
um, you know, if you're at a uh, trade show in your town and let's say you live in Pittsburgh and you meet carriers in Pittsburgh, ask them what their problems are where you can help. What's their biggest challenge? You know, maybe they've got a run for you nightly between Pittsburgh and Harrisburg that would just fit your your business model perfectly. So ask, ask what their problems are. They'll tell you. Is there anything we can help you with? They, that's refreshing to hear. And don't ask, and, and I've heard people say stupid things, don't start saying, uh, you know, if there's anything negative about them, don't bring that up. They're not at a trade show to hear anything negative about themselves. You want to win them over. So ask some questions about their business, what they need, how you can help them. Tell them what, what you can provide. Tell them what you're willing to, you know. If, I'm sorry, Chuck, I was just going to jump in just to recommend a, a good book when you was talking about ask a better question. There's an excellent book out there uh, titled QBQ, Question Behind the Question. Uh, the author is John G. Miller. Excellent book for uh, if, you're, if you're going and going, going and prospecting and stuff like that, then that is an excellent book. Also, it helps you doing a self-analysis on your own business. And, and you know, it basically um, QBQ, the question behind the question, what to really ask yourself to eliminate blame. So that, that way... If you if you go in and approach some people, you know it gives you some gives you some different things to kind of jog your mind and think about different questions that you can ask, and you can start to write out some different questions uh, to prepare ahead of time. How true! Uh, you know, one of the things you can do uh, before way before you get to the uh, to the trade show is do what's called a SWOT analysis. And that's a really good exercise that any any business owner can do. And mark that down, everybody. SWOT, W-S-O-T, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. That's what it stands for. And you just analyze your own business. What's your strong point? What's your weak point? Where are your opportunities and what are your threats? And if you do that, yeah, and if you do that, you'll have a better understanding of your own business. And when you talk to these people, you'll have a much clearer picture of what you can do. And, uh, you know, I think the opportunity, that's the real big one. What are the opportunities for, you know, where you are? You know, you may be located in an area where people just run out of hours. You could have a little gold mine of a company delivering um, delivering trailers for all the big guys because their guys are running out of hours. And that may be an opportunity, like you say, that could be had in some of the major cities, especially such as Atlanta, Chicago, you know, at um, Los Angeles, where you got these bypasses and everything, and, and, and traffic is always horrendous at those areas. But that's, that's definitely an opportunity to be had in, in, in some uh, major markets when you've got situations like that going on. Uh, especially what you folks have. I'm sorry. Well, what you folks are having in Atlanta now with that road closure. <laughs> yeah, like we we having a bad down in Atlanta. Uh, we got about three minutes left in the show there, Chuck. So we want to give you an opportunity to tell people how they can get in contact with you and and, and your guys. 
you know, about the we've talked about the uh, new Chicago expansion, but just let everybody know how they can get in contact with you guys and how you may be able to help them out. Okay, well, first of all, um, if you need me for anything, please call uh, call me at any time, 800-388-4352. My extension, which is really important, extension 203, and I do answer my own phone. And if you do leave a message, I promise I will get back to everybody. The only thing I ask is speak clearly. You get the odd person that calls and speaks at 100 miles an hour, and we can't decipher what they're saying, especially if they're calling from a truck. So just speak slowly, and I will call you back, but it's extension 203. And if you need loads in or out of Canada, we're glad to help you. Uh, We have just opened up our Chicago Logistics Center in downtown Chicago, and our guys are rocking and rolling down there. And if you want to give them a call for any domestic U.S. rate, it's one 888 Two five three eight zero one zero, and you can speak to extension seven four three, and that's our dispatch down there, our uh, our sales truck sales, and they'd be glad to load you. Tell them you're a friend of mine. Uh, you got the number from the podcast, and I'm sure you'll get great service, and we'll pay you right away. That's the best thing, and we've got all sorts of loads. We have them coming, we got them going, and we got them pending. We're, we're building up, as we're ramping up in Chicago, we're building up a bigger and bigger carrier base all the time. And I much prefer to work with the independent guys and the small carriers. Uh, you get much better service from the little guys and the smaller carriers, so we, we're glad to do business. If you want, you can email me. Chuck at Traffix, that's T-R-A-F-F-I-X dot com. And, again, I answer all emails. And I love doing this because this gives me an opportunity to give back to an industry that's given so much to my family and I. Just It's my thank you to the industry because it's been a great run, and I still get excited coming to work every day after all these years. And I've been in it all together since 1974. But I'm really a young guy. Started as a baby. Yes, sir. But, Chuck, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule for joining us here on the Racing Lane Podcast. I want to thank and send shout-outs to everybody on the Less Truck team for all of their support. Make sure you go over to LessTruck.com, check out all of the podcasts that are available. Special shout-out to Kevin and Lisa Rutherford for providing us with the platform to be able to bring you this show on a week-in and week-out basis. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that is about all the time that we have left. I want to thank you guys for taking time out of your schedule for joining us on the podcast. Good night. God bless you. Be safe out there. And as always, keep it in between the mustard and the many. We'll talk to you next week. God bless you. Chuck, thank you. Good night. God bless. Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-PUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.